from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, which we will consider today, is our Gospel lesson recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, reading verses 9 through 11, as follows in Jesus' name. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. I am well pleased with you. These are the words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, as we noted a few moments ago, this is a happy day in the young life of Ezra Langhorst, whose private emergency baptism, which occurred in September, will be publicly affirmed at our second service today. Here at Mount Olive, you know we're blessed to frequently have baptisms as part of our worship services. The baptism of any person is a happy event for the family and for the congregation to witness, for then we are all privileged to see a special miracle of God's grace. The one being baptized is washed clean of sin through water and the word. The old Adam, that old sinful nature with which we are all born is drowned, and a new spiritual man arises and comes forth. The recipient of baptism becomes God's own child and becomes also then an heir of eternal life in heaven. Our text today shows us the account of our Lord Jesus' baptism by John the baptizer at the Jordan River. Looking at this, we are led to rejoice in knowing that what is true for Jesus is true now also for us, who are likewise baptized. That day as our Lord came up from the water, God the Father proclaimed, You are my Son, whom I love. So this means that we can also say, The Father loves us. That is so because at his baptism, Jesus began the work of saving us from all of our sins, and at his baptism, the Heavenly Father announced his acceptance of Jesus' work on our behalf. Mark begins, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. This day that Mark speaks about is the day when Jesus really publicly entered into his work of rescuing us from our sins and their eternal consequences. Up to this point in his life, the Lord lived in quiet and humble obscurity, growing up in Nazareth in a carpenter's home and himself working as a carpenter. Now the time would come for him to begin that three-year journey which would lead him to the cross where he would lay down his own holy life in payment for the sins of the world. On that day, Jesus came and took his place among the crowd 
waiting to be baptized by John. Just before this, in our, before the words of our text, Mark describes the scene. He says, Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to John and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. From a distance, Jesus may have looked like anyone else in that crowd. He may have looked like the others and spoken with the same accents and the same language as the others, but he was the only one there who did not need the forgiveness of sins that came through John's baptism. He was the only one in that crowd or in any crowd anywhere who did not need to confess his sins. He had none to confess, for throughout his life, the Bible teaches, Jesus never once disobeyed his heavenly Father with a single wrong thought or spoken word or action. In fact, John expressed his astonishment that Jesus should be there in that crowd in order to receive baptism from him. It was more than simple modesty that caused John to declare, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Though Jesus was personally in his life without sin, he knew that he must be there that day at the Jordan. He knew that he was now taking upon himself the sins of all people. As he stood there in line, waiting, he was thinking about you. You can know and be sure that Jesus Christ knows you and loves you. Why else would he consent to bear all of your guilt and to die in order to lift it from you? So when John objected to his baptizing Jesus, he said, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And that's why John rightly called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament system of sacrifices that were performed by the priests in the temple, sins were symbolically placed upon a lamb by the high priest. The sin-bearing lamb then would be slaughtered at the altar for the forgiveness of the worshipers. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was put to death on the cross in order to win forgiveness, not just for the people who, uh, of Israel, but for the whole world. That day at the Jordan, undergoing baptism alongside sinners, Jesus began to shoulder the heavy burden and the terrible blame for our sin and our guilt. By appearing there, our Lord was offering himself as the one to pay the bill that would come due on Good Friday. The intense agony he endured that day on the cross really began in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before when his sweat as he prayed was as drops of blood, as he began to feel there the deep anguish of all of our guilt. But when Jesus died on the cross, he completed 
perfectly the sacrifice that was needed to wipe away all of our sins before God. It is finished, he shouted with his dying gasp. At his baptism, Jesus began the saving work which he concluded at the cross. Because of this work, we can say God the Father loves us and he is now well pleased with us. Secondly, we see that in Jesus' baptism, the Father clearly made known this blessed truth. God showed his acceptance of Jesus in a dramatic way. Mark writes, he opened heaven. Mark records, just as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. What a beautiful sight especially when we consider that because of our sins against God, heaven would be rightly closed forever. Imagine rushing to the hospital emergency room with an injured loved one and finding the doors there padlocked with no entrance possible. Imagine coming home at the end of a long, arduous, stressful trip and finding that the key to your house no longer works. If heaven were a place locked to us, you and I would have no safe place to go when our life ends here. Rather, our sins would drag us into hell. For heaven and God's holy presence there is not something easily entered. The psalmist said, you are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell. But look, as Jesus is baptized The heavens are torn open. Now the Savior who came from heaven to earth was embarking on his mission, which would result in the opening of heaven. Through his sinless life, lived as our replacement, and his innocent dying on the cross, Jesus would make heaven open and accessible even to us. On the cross in his dying moments, he assured a penitent thief next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. That gracious promise of the forgiveness of sins and the heaven that is opened is to this day extended to all who repent of their sins against God and confess them, trusting in him alone for forgiveness. Along with the opening of heaven that day, Mark says again, The Spirit descended upon him like a dove. In Old Testament time, the tradition was that oil would normally be applied to the head of one who was assuming some important office. Here God showed his approval of Jesus as our perfect and promised high priest and prophet and king by anointing him not with oil, but by the Holy Spirit. Later, Peter spoke of the significance of this incident. He said, you know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. 
because of the fact that Jesus Christ received the Holy Spirit in his baptism, he confers the Holy Spirit upon us in our baptism. Through the Spirit's power and strength, we can believe in Jesus now as our Savior. And so baptism makes us brand new sons and daughters of God. Referring to baptism, Paul writing to Titus said, He saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of everlasting life. Seeing Christ's baptism, we rejoice knowing of this same power that he shares with us in our baptism by which we can see him and believe in him as our true and only Savior. Still another remarkable event took place that day at the Jordan River when our Lord Jesus was baptized. The voice of the Heavenly Father was heard audibly speaking, you are my son whom I love, I am well pleased with you. Now the father himself declares his approval of Jesus. What comforting words for him to hear at that moment in time as he now has a very difficult road to travel ahead of him. And what comforting words for you and me to hear For if the Father is well pleased with the Son, then that means God the Father is well pleased also with you and me. We can all be sure of this because as St. Paul wrote to the Galatians, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. We are now covered in Christ, so that what the Father says about him, he says about us. The Father loves his Son, and the Bible teaches us that we who believe in the Son are part of the Holy Christian Church, and the Holy Christian Church is called the body of Christ. And so the Father loves us. As John wrote, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Those of us who were baptized as little babies cannot remember the details, I'm sure, of that day. We may have a baptismal certificate at home to remind us that it happened. Hopefully it was recorded in the records of the church where it occurred. There might be a photograph somewhere showing us in a white gown being held by our smiling parents and godparents. Those are precious mementos of a very, very important occasion in our lives. But as we look at Jesus' baptism, we see more clearly, really, just what took place for us. For when we were washed in the water, heaven opened up for us. In Christ, all of our sins, all of them have been forgiven. And now we can enter heaven through open doors when we die. And as we wait for that day of our death, we have comfort knowing that heaven is waiting for us as our permanent home. 
Because of our Lord's baptism, we know that we also, through the baptism we received, were given the Holy Spirit who brought us to saving faith and who promises to preserve us in that faith through the word that we hear and the body and blood of our Lord we receive in communion. By the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our lives, we are given the power and strength to overcome our doubts that we're bound to have and then through it all to hold on to save to our Savior throughout our lives. Because Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River that day, the Father's voice, which was heard by all present, is now spoken over each of us declaring that we are his beloved children with whom he is well pleased. Because our Lord Jesus was baptized and carried to completion everything necessary for our salvation, the day of our baptism was the day we first received what we will keep forever. That is the forgiveness of our sins, salvation from hell, life in heaven. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. We now continue our service as we sing hymn 243, The Power of Sin No Longer. 